This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Awards Blend, a podcast about movies with a special focus on the Oscar race, a marathon that we currently are only in the middle of, even though we've had nominations a couple of weeks back and a ceremony that's coming on uh, March 4th. We uh, are your beloved hosts that are here every week with you uh, for Awards Blend, Sean O'Connell, Jake Hamilton, and Kevin McCarthy. And man, do we have a lot to get to in today's episode, so we're going to dive right in. Boys, say hello. What's up? Hey, good to see you guys. And uh, uh, if you're noticing my background looks a little different, uh, it's because I'm in a hotel here in uh, Los Angeles. I was covering Black Panther uh, and then the uh, highly anticipated uh, Peter Rabbit. So that's going to be on uh, on Friday. So, that's Dude, you're seeing Peter Rabbit? Peter, the Peter I, Rabbit? I am actually excited about the movie. I, I, I'm plus James Corden. <laughs> Is Corden James doing the junket? Corden. Yeah, James Corden's going to be doing interviews. So I'm actually, I'm, I, I, I tease, but I'm actually excited. I think it's, I think it's going to do really well. I mean, I think families are just excited about it. So, it's are there mid credit sequences for Peter Rabbit? I hope so. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for some Marvel-style Kevin Feige uh, end credit scenes uh, in Peter Rabbit for sure. I heard there's uh, two of them, I think. Oh, I want to talk about how uh, Kevin's dedication to, to this podcast, even though he's traveling and even though he's junketing and, and we um, are so happy that he's carrying his microphone around with him and, and ready to podcast from hotel rooms around the world. Kevin, we admire your dedication to Awards Blend. No, I appreciate it. And I also admire uh, Jake, uh, who has very tight jeans, as he mentioned in our text, having to run back to his office and get his computer so we could uh, do our podcast. So that's dedication as well. I mean, I don't know how Jake runs in those jeans. I have no idea. It's more, more of a glide, really. <laughs> oh, I pictured it more like a, I pictured it as a gallop, like a gallop. Of a... <laughs> Which is, with really small steps. Um, I have to start on this topic though and this is going to sort of transition into uh, why Kevin is in a hotel room and the amount of travel that we do Uh, Kevin started to tell this great story of um, being in a hotel in Los Angeles for people who don't know the three of us are members of the Broadcast Film Critics Association both of these guys are entertainment reporters um, in their respective markets Kevin's in Washington DC and Jake is in Chicago for years um, we've been doing the junket circuit which is a very strange world that um, each week uh, over the course of doing a blend i think we want to open up to all of you listening uh what the junket circuit is like what it involves it's a really strange world and the more that we try and explain it to people um the less it sounds like a job but it is it's an actual career that allows us to sit down in front of um legends who people that we've been admiring all of our lives and do these interviews with movie stars and television stars and film directors and producers and everybody um but every once in a while Outside of the junket circuit, we run into uh, celebrities and and it's a it's a strange dynamic of we know them um, and we in, in some instances even had a chance to talk with them and, and have personal conversations with them. But then do you approach them in public? And Kevin, you you ran into John Travolta and decided yeah. you were going to pepper him with face off quotes, which I think yeah. is the perfect thing to do in that situation. Please tell us how you got to the point where you are doing um sean asher asher ashton is sean archer sean archer quotes sean you're with, also uh, sean you gotta get sean archer right come I on i'm also a sean but see i love nick cage in that movie more than anything so so, so you met travolta how do you even go about thinking like 
is it okay for me to to talk to him? This is Travolta in an L.A. restaurant. Yeah, before I get to this story, I do want to mention that where I was was also a, a, a place that Jake and I, uh, uh, when Jake was doing junkets, like uh, when we first met in 2010 or so, we, we would go to, we'd be in L.A. and we'd be at a restaurant at a specific hotel and there would always be celebrities uh, around this hotel. Uh, and I remember this one time, uh, Jake was freaking out because he had already initially watched, uh, I think, season one of Game of Thrones at this point. And I was actually not on the Game of Thrones train yet. I've, o- I've always kind of been late to TV shows. Jake was always like really there in the forefront. And he'd be like, dude, you got to watch Game of Thrones. You got to watch Breaking Bad. Um, so Sean Bean was at the hotel or outside having uh, lunch. And I had not seen Game of Thrones. So, and I'll let Jake take the story from here. But all I will say is I learned that Ned Stark died in Game of Thrones season one because of this encounter so i actually had i was spoiled for game of thrones by the guy who actually died at the end of season one but jake go ahead on this, this is yeah i just remember uh you know because sean bean's one of those actors that's in so many different you know ten thousand different movies and so we both saw him at the same time and obviously kevin knew who he was through other you know other, other rings yeah other pieces yeah. of work but i kept referring to him as the hand of the king like holy crap like dude look it's the hand of the king <laughs> It's the hand of it, you know, and that's a really strange phrase if you have not heard or or if you haven't seen Game of Thrones. That's a weird phrase to hear out of context. Um, and and we we broke like cool guy protocol and approached him at his table. Um, luckily, <laughs> he could not have been nicer. And I, if I yeah. remember right, and this was a few years ago because this had to be right after season one. I asked him. Is there any chance that we could see him come back in like a flashback for season two? He's like, oh, I don't really know. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm not really supposed to say anything or this or that or this or that. Um, and it wasn't until afterward, as we were walking away, Kevin goes, "Wait, does that mean he died in season one?" And I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, yes! I'm so sorry. Like, I mean, he 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 ruined it for you. So yeah, so it was a fun. So, but I will say." If anything's ever going to be ruined for me, I don't mind it being ruined with the actual actor in the situation ruining it for me. So, like, I mean, the fact that Ned Stark spoiled his own death for me is, like, is uh, totally fine with me. I have no problems with that. There was a moment during a Comic-Con panel um, for the first Maze Runner where Dylan O'Brien, who was still relatively new at this point, he hadn't really been in a lot of stuff, and Maze Runner was under those franchises, and he mentions one of the characters on the panel, and he says... Well, you know, it was a really tough day to film the scene where so-and-so dies. And you just heard, like, the entire Hall H go, oh, what? And he was like, no, no, it's it's in the book. I was going to say, it's based on a book, right? It's based yeah. on a book, but no no one in that hall had really read the book. He just gave it away. So um, I want to get back to Travolta. How did you approach Travolta? Yeah. So John Travolta, uh, uh, growing up, I mean, obviously, Pulp Fiction, um, uh, Pulp Fiction and Face Off. There was an era of time in the 90s where, like, Travolta and Nick Cage were, like, in a, they're in their glory years. I mean, like, Face Off for Nick Cage. Uh, I'm sorry, and John Travolta, Broken Arrow, uh, Pulp Fiction, uh, Michael, remember the movie Michael? Michael, I like, I yeah. Like that movie. Um, so, um, Face Off was a film I watched, and I remember, I don't remember if I'm, if this is an exaggerated number, but I remember being at the number 47 times on that film. I mean, I, I watched it all Not the in time. a theater. No. Not in a theater. No, no, no. It was like a VHS tape. But right. I, I love Face Off. And, and I, as, as ridiculous as it is, it, it is, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. My wife and I actually danced, uh, as Uma Thurman and John Travolta, uh, from Pulp Fiction at our wedding. So, I immediately recognized him. He was wearing a, a, a ball cap, uh, like a baseball cap. And it was, he wasn't that easily recognizable, but he was like, he showed up 
Um, and he sat down and with like a group of friends or I don't know why he was there. He got up and used the phone and I'm like texting my wife. I'm like, we had just watched Face Off a week a weekend before. I was home all weekend. We we, we did a Nick Cage marathon. We watched The Rock and Face Off and you were tweeting about it. That's why I thought this was yeah. the timing of this was perfect. It, it was weird. So at one point I'm like, I do want to say hi to him, but I also don't want to bother him because in that in that particular hotel or restaurant, it's kind of a commonly known thing that you just kind of like leave the celebrity like i saw judy dench in there a few weeks ago i didn't say anything to her um but it was travolta so he's walking out and i'm like he walks literally five feet from me and i'm like all right i'm just gonna literally yell out that i that i face off one of my favorite movies of all time i said hey, dude face off's awesome and he, and he turned he turned to me and stopped came over um and then i was like okay i'm in so and I've and I've never <laughs> no, but that's I've the ne- difference. If he had just said thanks, man, and kept moving, and then which, kept walking, which is what happens more often than not? They're right. just like, oh, thanks, and they keep going. Yeah. So and I've never interviewed Travolta. I know Jake has, and uh, um, so I've never had a chance to actually talk to him about Face Off. I've met him at like a Critics Choice briefly. We talked for a second, got a picture. Um, so he walks up, and I'm just like, all right. I'm going to do my face-off junket interview right now with this, with him standing here. I'm just going <laughs> to ask him everything I've always wanted to ask about that movie. So I think uh, at one point, I started quoting lines from the film. I was like, wee, what a predicament. I was like doing all this stuff. He was like dying laughing. And then at one point, there's a line where he says to Nick Cage, it's like looking in a mirror, only not. And then he literally completed the line with me as I was talking to him. And then we talked a lot about like, he was like saying how how much of a how, when making that movie at that time it was a really big deal. Think about the risk of that type of storyline. It's a kind of a crazy concept. And he said he said and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing what he said to me, but he's like, you know, Nick Cage and I don't look alike. But what we did was we would watch each other's dailies every day. So like he's I guess he would like he would go into a room and watch all of Nick Cage's performances from the day, so that, that when they switched faces. Uh, that he could actually be him and become him uh, more. So did they shoot, Um, like, everything before they swapped faces? They shot that first to be able to sort of see how they're each playing each the the different characters? I didn't... didn't, All he said was we watched each other's dailies to get into each other's parts. So I don't know if that meant that all of it was shot or some of it was shot... Um, cause if you see the film, obviously in the beginning, they're, they're normal cells before they switch places. And then John Travolta becomes Nick Cage and Nick Cage becomes John Travolta. So, um, then we just started talking about like, uh, about the shootout scenes, how he cuts his face at the end when Nick Cage fires that arrow into his chest. I was like quoting Nick Cage's, uh, reaction <laughs> in that scene. And he was like laughing. Um, I asked him if he kept in touch with John Woo. He said he visited him in China a couple years ago. Um, they were trying to work on another project, I guess. Uh, you know, it was just a fascinating thing to like sit there and talk to a guy about a movie that I literally can quote from front to back uh, and have him kind of engage in it. It just seemed like a film he was very passionate about in his filmography. And I think that he, uh, I don't know, to me, it was just a surreal moment. It was a very weird experience. My buddy Zilla and my buddy Scott Cardi were sitting there the whole time just kind of like watching it all go down. So it was cool. Well, was yeah, I doubt he gets approached about that film. I think if people yeah. approach Travolta, Saturday it's Grease. It's Saturday Night Fever. It's yeah. Pulp Fiction, I'm sure. And and that's one that I'm sure he's super proud of. Like, if someone came at him with, like, yeah. Broken Arrow, he probably wouldn't. He'd love to sit down and talk about it because probably no one brings it up. And that's also John Woo, I think. And, and I remember, like, I, I, it was surreal. And I was like, I was just, and I looked at him and I, and I mentioned the line already. The scene when he finally walks into the prison and, and, and shows Nick Cage that he's become him. Uh, and taking over his face, and he says that line, it's like looking in a mirror, only not. But having Travolta finish the line 
with me literally standing there uh it was kind of a, a cool that's moment. crazy that's, that's crazy. crazy it was and we did it we did it like he did it in the movie too i was like it's like looking in a mirror only and he goes <laughs> not and i was like oh my god and it was it was one of those weird like and i and all i kept the, i mean we, what a predicament is one of my favorite lines in that movie too because like uh i think that's in the shootout in the church after they're burying um travolta's boss uh, and like Gina Carano, there's like, there's like, and this is the classic John Woo shootout. There's doves flying everywhere. Always like, doves. It's, it's amazing though. But I don't do know, you but know it, what? Do you know what that movie? That movie inspired another movie that you adore, which is Bad Boys Two. Bad Boys Two wouldn't Bad exist Boys. without Facebook. Oh, you're talking about that that shootout and and the uh, yes, yeah. But Bay is lifting all of those things from John Woo. Dude, I remember Jake and I were in Russia for Transformers. Uh, and we're watching Lincoln Park perform uh, on Red Square, and Michael Bay standing to the left of me, and everybody's like, you know, enjoying the concert. You know, he's we're, you know he's having fun with his cast, and I go over there like, hey, Mike, Mr. Bay, uh, how did you do that shot in Bad Boys Two? And the camera's like going around in a circle, <laughs> <laughs> and I, he gave me the answer, but I, was, I could tell maybe it wasn't the best moment to to have that moment with him because Michael Bay doesn't do a lot of sit down interviews, so like I always take the opportunity to try and ask the question with, that I would never normally get to ask somebody, um, especially with Travolta. I'll never have a chance to sit down with him for face-off. So it was like one of those cool little weird things that happened. Jakey, what's yours? You must have one. What's your celebrity encounter? Did you ever find one out out in the wild? Yeah, I, I was flying home from a junket one time, and uh, whenever you fly, you know, like whenever you fly as often as as, as I did or Kevin does or Sean does, you, you start to develop a... a, a frequent flyer miles so often. So I, I was at the point where I would get upgraded to first class every time I flew. By no means am I trying to say I was never booked first class. I never paid to be first class. I just fly so often. So I sat down, had, been, had an empty seat next to me. I was flying home from LA to Houston where I, where I lived at the time. And uh, Sidney Poitier sat down next to me on the flight. So he was cool. speaking in Houston. He had a speaking engagement and his, his seat was the seat next to me. And, uh, we just kind of, you know, I just sort of casually just started talking. You know, I just, I didn't want to be that guy. Um, but I just said, you know, Mr. Pointy, I just want to say, you know, I, I know who you are. It's a massive honor to sit next to you. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to bother you. But, you know, it's just, just an honor to be able to forever tell my friends that I flew next to you oh on God. a plane. That's and amazing. when the uh, flight was over, I, uh, I said, you know, I, okay, I was quiet for three hours. So you have to take a picture <laughs> with me now. And, uh, and so he, and he, he, was, he was very cool about it, very gracious about it. And he said, good. He goes, now, if you had talked to me the entire flight, I wouldn't have done it. But uh, he was, that's you funny. Know, granted, it wasn't a, you know, put to over the course of a three and a half hour flight, maybe we talked five minutes like you and Travolta did. You know, he, he kind of kept to himself. Yeah. And I, like I said, I didn't want to be that guy. But so that's, that's my favorite celebrity run in. That's my, I remember that. I remember that picture too. That was so cool. That was, I mean, it's a, such a rare thing. And like, I think you handled it well too, because yeah, if you talked to him the whole time, because like it's so weird. Like when actors fly up there, they just they don't know everyone will be bothered. It's so interesting. Um, so uh, that's cool. He took a picture though. That's awesome. Because that's someone Mine that like super... we're probably never gonna interview. I mean, what what is he gonna no. sit down and do a junket for? So yeah, um, Mine Sean was super awkward. Oh um, yes, I love awkward celebrity stories. <laughs> uh, I was super this? awkward. Well, it's somewhat. It was part of the junket situation, but it was super early on. Um, one of the very first ones I did was Will Ferrell um, for Elf. And oh, he wow. was coming through Atlanta on a regional promotional tour, and they invited me to come down. I'm in Charlotte, and uh, he wasn't big enough yet that he had like an entourage or people. He just stayed at the hotel where they were doing the regional thing, and I was one of the first ones to start off the day, so it was super early. And we showed up at the 
hospitality suite. And uh, they said to me, um, you can head down the hall to his room where you'll be the first one out of the out of the gate. And he showed up at the door like right as I was leaving. And they also were like, oh, Will, um, you're just going to be down the hall. Like, it's just this way. So he was like, all right. And he started walking. So he was like walking alongside me. The two of us just started walking at the same time. And it's the longest hallway I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) And we're the only two people in it. So we're kind of just like walking side by side. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, good, good. And then he sensed like just how awkward it was because we had really (laughs) – I didn't want to like start with any of my questions. I didn't really know what to say to him. So he just started like um, talking about the artwork. Um, along the hallway as if he was like a museum (laughs) tour guide. He was like, I don't know if you know, but this painting is from the Renaissance era. um, (laughs) And then he'd move on to the next painting and he'd be like, oh, something very interesting about this one. This one was painted by a guy whose aunt was, and just like riffed the entire time. And it was great the way he like broke the tension and eased us into the first interview. And it was, uh, but but for that short amount, and even thinking about it now, I get like the weird goosebumps of just like, oh, I didn't know what situation to be in and how to, how to talk about it though. And you guys are mentioning your favorites and, and I, and I, uh, my, my Travolta one was recent, but my favorite of all time, which I, I can't tell here. Obviously you guys know this is the David Fincher one, but yeah, uh, that is, yeah. I wish I could tell that story. I can't, but it's, why it's, can't it's, you tell that story? I, I can't. It, 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 uh, maybe one Sean, do you know what we'll the story is? To, do you know the story? Sean? I don't think I know the story. I, no. I'll text you later on, but it, 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 it it involves Fight Club. That's all I can say. But it was, right. it was very funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so you and Fincher in a dirty such a basement good story somewhere? that I tell it to other people at, at you know normally when, you, when you're like at a dinner table you tell your own stories I tell this story I tell Kevin's story yeah. instead of my own. Listen, we're gonna we're, we have a podcast now. We're bringing this one up at Eventually. some point. We're Eventually. gonna edit it down. Yeah. All right, Kevin saw Black Panther this week, and unfortunately, um, we can't talk about it. Um, but what we can do is uh, we can discuss Black Panther in general. Uh, and Jake and I admitting that we have not seen Black Panther yet, uh, we can talk about how excited we are to eventually see it. Um, and I think we can each ask Kevin one question that he can't answer. Um, Ooh, yeah. But we know that like Ryan Coogler directs this movie. Uh, we can yeah. talk about things that we know about it. It's a standalone movie, completely disconnected. Uh, it's one of three. So, oh, okay. Oh, well, I can I can talk about tweets that I saw. I saw tweets all sure. th- this whole week about it. Yeah. About people talking about how great the cast is. Totally. How Wakanda is is unbelievable. Wakanda um, forever. Yeah. Jake, when do you do you know when you get to see it? Uh, I don't know. They haven't seen. I mean, we're still two over two weeks out from seeing it. Um, so my local regional reps have not sent out any emails about it. But I'd imagine usually I see it the Tuesday before it comes out. Yeah, Kevin, if you go if you go to you if you if you went to my YouTube channel and and watched my interviews, that you could probably get a pretty good idea of my feelings on the movie. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, we can't review the movie till February sixth. And right now, there you know, there's the social media reactions as you mentioned, Sean. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, I've seen it, and I'm and I'm I'm excited to talk about it on the sixth. Let me ask you a question that that doesn't break any kind of embargo. Um, should people start to avoid trailers for it? No, I, th- to me, uh, I will say I think the trailers do a very good job of not spoiling anything. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you yeah, a question I, that you can't answer. How much does it set up Infinity War? I can't. I can't say anything about it. Not with that. I attitude, can't say. Can't. I, I. I can't even right. say. I, I. I. I literally. I mean, like, here's the thing. Even on February sixth, when the reviews come out, I probably wouldn't answer that question, only because it would. It would lead to maybe speculation of what happens in the film, or you know, uh, post credit right, scenes. Are there post credit scenes? Ask you a question. Oh, yeah. Are there post credit scenes? Post credit scenes. 
I think that I think that news is out there, isn't it, Sean? Yeah, that I think that's out. It's Marvel, of course. There are post credit scenes. Yeah, that, I think uh, that news has been confirmed. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, yes, of course there are. But I mean, I I, I don't know if the um, number of them is 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 the, is out there yet. Uh, how much male nudity is in it? The entire film is uh, is all is, everyone's. Uh, that's a bold uh, choice. It's a bold choice. But I admire that. I admire person that. Person in the film is nude. Yeah. <laughs> Even Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler directed the film nude. Nude uh, so cameo. The entire, nude yeah. director cameo. <laughs> no. Oh wait, totally I mean, so there's a Stan Lee cameo in it. Correct. I, he's in everyone. I think he's. I don't. Know, I, don't I don't know who Stan. I don't know who Stan Lee is. <laughs> I, 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 I have no idea who that person. I, 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 is Stan Lee somebody? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, he's, he's, over, he's right over my shoulder. Uh, he can't say. February. I see 6th, no, I see it. February sixth is the embargo date lift. Um, we are going to do a show on the eighth, I believe. So we'll we'll go into deep dive discussions about Black Panther. We did discuss 8th. last week, which I will say, um, uh, uh, last week we had a discussion about our, our two weeks ago our most anticipated movies of the year. Um, Black Panther was my number two. Ready Player One was my number one. Um, Black Panther was number two mostly because of the filmmaker behind it. Ryan Coogler is a 31-year-old kid uh, who directed Fruitvale Station and Creed. He is he's 31 right now? Filmmaker. He's 31. He's 29 when he made Creed. And he was 31 um, when he made a Marvel movie? I think he might have even been 30 when he what made What am that. I, I mean, doing with my life? Current moment. <laughs> yeah, I, it really. I mean, I'm sitting across from him yesterday. I, I did the interviews for the, with the cast, and Kugler um, is just like what I love about him. And I said this to him in the interview is that he incorporates his love of cinema into the films he makes. Um, so, and this is not a spoiler, but when you watch Black Panther, you're going to see so many cool, like detailed uh, references and homages to classic cinema. Um, so I, I just think that like, I think I love that he does that. And I think that he's just one of us in the sense of like, he's a fan of movies, um, who just happens to be a, an extremely talented director and, uh, storyteller. Um, and I saw that yeah. with Creed, you could see that in Creed, you know, he just yeah. brings new touches to what should be a regular genre movie. And he's such yeah. a gifted director, but I, mean, there was a shot. Marvel doesn't take a lot of risks with their, with their filmmakers. They're not going to, what I mean by that is they're not going to. They're not going to jeopardize a project by hiring somebody who they don't have a ton of faith in. Like, right? They haven't missed yet. With they haven't missed, but I feel like they've been taking more risks. They're risks. Risks lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That came out wrong. Is what, what I meant to say is they don't they don't gamble by trying to take the shot on someone who they don't believe in, necessarily. Which is interesting, considering when you look at the Star Wars franchise, which... By the way, I mean, Jay, I think Jay tweeted this the other, the other day about about like how far we are away from that movie and how we have no trailer. I, I'm still very upset about the Miller and Lord uh, leaving aspect of it, and like, like to me, putting someone like a Ron Howard in that in that role to me is a very safe thing to do. Um, so I'm fascinated to see how that film turns out, but. I don't know. I don't know how. I I feel like I'm a little Star Warsed out right now. How dare you, sir? Uh, yeah. No, I'm being serious. I feel a little, I feel a little like oversaturated with Star Wars. I, I, I don't find myself just like begging for an episode nine now or 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 solos. So, well, I don't know. We'll is, is that because like none of us were very excited about Last Jedi? Yeah, I. But I, 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 I mean, Jedi. Listen, Jedi was one of the most anticipated films of my life. I couldn't wait for that film because of the hype and and Ryan Johnson and. You know, the guy directed Breaking Bad episodes, Looper, he's a brick, he's a phenomenal uh, uh, filmmaker. And I think going into that movie, I just, I was, 
I was I was let down ultimately, underwhelmed and. Um, but see, I don't, I don't know, know if that's a star. I I know what you're saying with Star Wars, and I I think that they have to be really careful about this in terms of saturation. But let's use Marvel as an example. Like they're at a point where they're running three movies a year, and all three of them are so wildly different. Um, yeah. That I I enjoy all three of them for what they are, and I don't feel like I've reached a saturation point with that studio. So I, the Star Wars movies to me have to get to a point where they're all so different that I don't mind going to see the next Star Wars movie because I'm intrigued by the story. But so far, they haven't... Yeah. I agree with you. They haven't really hooked me. I have no idea what Han Solo is going to be. No one knows. Did you guys get the, <laughs> did you guys hear the news before we logged on that they're starting to... They think that we're going to get a small blip of a Solo trailer during the Super Bowl and then supposedly a full Solo trailer the Monday, the Monday morning after on GMA. Oh. Now that I mean it makes sense because GMA is owned by ABC and and then the and the, the Disney angle of it. I mean, listen, here's the thing. I mean, we're in a business because we love movies, and I am very excited to see to see the Han Solo film. But I am I'm I'm a bit concerned because my excitement for that film heavily relied on Lord and Miller, mm-hmm. um, because it was going to be a risky, different type of Star Wars film, and we all know that the Solo character is a very sarcastic, dry guy. And I think that there was so much to play with possibly learning more about how he was at a younger age. Um, and I, I don't know. I think that – did you guys read – I saw this on Twitter, and forgive me if I'm botching this or I have this wrong. I'm not, I'm not as knowledgeable in Star Wars as Jake is. Um, the 12, the 12 parsecs element of the story – uh, in the script, I read somewhere that that was actually an over-exaggerated thing that was not meant that, – that that actual terminology or number was not actually a truthful thing on the character. Well, I, I, I think that's become a fan <laughs> theory over the year, at least from my, from what I understand. It's become a popular fan theory that, like, you were supposed to question whether or not Han was boasting and that, mm. that he did – he ran right. – that he did the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. Or if he actually did it. I think what a lot of people are complaining about with Han Solo is that part of sort of the charm and mystery of him is that there was a little bit of boasting, there's a little bit of truth, and you didn't know where one stopped and the other began. Not knowing. And it feels like Solo is going to be fan service and that it's going to hit all of those. We're going to know oh, how, where he got the dice from. We're going to understand how, where he met Lando. We're going to see the poker game where he won the Falcon from Lando. We're going to probably see a Boba Fett cameo. Probably going to see a Jabba the Hutt cameo. So all of those things were like, essentially it's just going to ruin a lot of fan theories. And I right. don't really have a problem with that. Like, it's fun to talk about I it, do. but I'd rather see it. See, I'm actually, I'm more in the camp of, of, of letting that be an imagination aspect. Uh, I, I like the idea that we, that like you sound like, obviously you know so much about the character and you know so much about what the possibilities and, and the backstories are. I don't know that I necessarily want to see them. Uh, I think it's more of like the idea of how you imagine them and what they were and how, you know, and listen, I, 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 I'm going to see it clearly. It, I'm, I can't wait to see it. Uh, I love Ron Howard. Uh, I'm just a little worried about it being a little too safe. That's that, that's just where I'm at. I mean, don't forget, the guy that, that wrote it is the guy that wrote The Empire Strikes Back. So mm-hmm. he he knows Star Wars. I mean, I that's to me, like, forget... For- Wait, Lawrence Kasdan? Did he, did he write it? Yeah. With his son. That was, that was wow. a lot of people... Okay. A lot of people had a theory that one of the reasons they kicked off Lord and Miller was because Kasdan wrote a script and they weren't sticking to Kasdan's script. Right, and Kasdan, right. Kasdan wrote Force Awakens, but Ryan wrote Jedi, which so Kasdan wasn't even involved. Right, in. so, I mean, 
forget the subject matter, forget the, you know, Ron Howard is a director, you know, Oscar winner he may be. For me, the reason I want to see it is because it's from the writer of the best Star Wars movie ever. That's true. That's I get that. To me, that character is so Harrison Ford. And until I see what this kid is doing with it, which he could be great, right? But in, and if he maybe he maybe he figures out a way to make the character his own. With Ford's characters, let's use Han Solo and Indiana Jones as two examples. I think recasting them is is I'm going to use the word impossible because they're so ingrained in him, and and I don't want to see you. We've seen bad impersonations of iconic characters, right? Bond, you can pass the baton to Bond because. Roger Moore isn't trying to do Sean Connery and Daniel Craig's not trying to do Roger Moore, right? They take their own interpretation of the character. So until we see how how this kid decides he's going to play Han Solo, we don't really know how it's going to work. And since mean, there's no existing footage, we have right. no idea yet. Yeah, so. and, and and that's the crazy thing about where we are right now in this type of society in regards to like all this movie news being everywhere is that I have this opinion based on nothing I've even seen yet only because of the like back in welcome the day to the we movie world i know but when we were kids like you know none of this stuff ever was even our in our mindsets like yeah, you'd go to a, you'd, you'd go to a movie and you're like oh my god they're making a sequel to jurassic park i had literally no idea <laughs> uh and then the, and then the trailer hits and you're like, so like you know now going into han solo i mean like you know i you know what happened with peter uh with uh miller and lord so it is it is an effective. It it's in your mind, so it's kind of hard not to make up an opinion on what you think about it. But you know, again, yeah. I reserve all judgment until I see it. Of course, um, I'm just a little concerned about it. That's all. But I think there's an audience, the general audience, who isn't immersed totally. in it on a day to day basis like us. I guarantee that there are people who are gonna who are gonna see this this blip during the Super Bowl, and they're gonna turn to their friends and be like, "They're making a Han Solo movie." Like, there's it's not on yeah. the radar of a lot of people. It's funny, Mitch. I literally <laughs> yeah. I did a story on our newscast this morning, and and introduced it as you know when when there's a Star Wars movie coming out, you know it. You've seen TV spots, you've seen trailers, you've seen toys, you've seen billboards, you've seen logos, you've seen bedspreads. What if? And then my head my stick was, what if I told you there's a Star Wars movie coming out in three months? Right, and even right. even my anchors went. Wait, what? Which one is it? And I was like, that's not what. How crazy is that? That there, there's maybe a Star that's Wars. Cool. Maybe that's cool. I I, I mean, here, here's the deal. Every person on this podcast is going to see it. It's it's going to make. I mean, but I I would I would bet my life that it's okay. Let's not say that. I would bet a lot of money <laughs> that it's not going to be the highest grossing film this year. And does that dilute the specialness of Star Wars? That it can come out because the only other Star Wars movie that was not the highest grossing film of the year was Episode Two. Mm. All others have been the highest grossing film of the year that came out. This one won't be not in a year no, with Infinity not in the year with Infinity War. Absolutely not. No, no. I, I I'd almost say Black Panther might make more money than Han Solo. Black Panther's gonna make. Black a lot Panther's. Of money. Gonna, I don't think we are prepared for how much money Black Panther's gonna make. Black Panther's <laughs> gonna make. Like, I've read 140 million opening weekend. In, in some reports, I would right, say. But, hi, did you guys see that recent Fandango report that it is the top-selling superhero movie, pre-selling superhero movie of all time, out outpacing yeah, Batman versus Superman? And we still have two weeks left. Well, yeah. and and it's good. Like the reaction is that it's good. So the you know, hype. I mean, listen, those social reactions are going to help it immensely. Those aren't when those articles hit uh, that say like you know first reactions are in. That's that's probably what's driving ticket sales. It has to be. I mean, it's yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's it's incredible that that dynamic exists now. And then when a studio lets 
reactions out that early, that means they're 100% confident in their product. Um, with especially specifically with that type of movie, which is doesn't come out until three weeks, two weeks and a half, whatever from now. And reactions were allowed on Monday at 10 p.m. Pacific, which is that's 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 that 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 means they care they 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 understand they have a good product. That's yeah. Right. On the flip side, we would probably be discussing a movie called Winchester, which opens this week. But right, I don't think any of us have seen it, and that's a really bad I sign. I've seen it. Yeah, that's but we know that, that Helen Mirren can rap because of James Corden. So I think that, I think that clip is getting more airtime than Winchester. Peter Rabbit yeah. star James Corden. Yes, Peter Rabbit <laughs> star, future uh, to be interviewed by uh, Mr. Kevin McCarthy, James Corden. Yeah. I, I'm going to the premiere tonight in LA, and I think he's going to be there. I, I'll, 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 uh, if I see him, I'll, I'll tell him you guys said hi. Please tell me that's Please what you're do. wearing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to a live taping of his show recently. It was really cool. Uh, he had Aaron Sorkin and, and Judd Apatow on. Ooh, good um, guests. Yeah, it was a cool. It was a kind of a cool night because two directors were on. So I was like, I was like kind of excited to be there in the audience. Um, it was, I don't know, it was just, it was just like really cool how they do it and like it's clockwork how they time everything and the breaks and the interviews I, and i love that he uses the style that graham norton has where you put them on the couch together and that you create that interaction of the interview it's really, it was graham good. Norton, yeah, graham norton too. maybe it's probably my favorite dude yeah. by the way you guys saw the mi6 stuff on yeah Norton where where uh cruz showed the footage of him breaking his ankle it was that awesome is, it was amazing like to me I like mean, that if, dude is a movie star man like like say what yeah, you want last to about one him. he's the last one i don't i did you hear what he said about getting up and finishing the take because he didn't want to he do didn't want to do it again he knew because he <laughs> knew that he he, he was messed up that's he's insane people, people who don't know what we're talking about like mi6 uh we all know that tom cruise hurt himself this was a huge story um he went on to get james corden and they actually delivered the footage of him hurt, breaking his ankle from like three different angles uh, and they all watched it. It was it was cr- it was unbelievable. It was it's such a video good that they built it up. They were like, if you're squeamish, don't look. And th- they do that a lot. And I'm always like, this is going to be nothing. Just show it. And then they showed the weight, the angle that his foot took. And I was like, oh yeah, that's really ooh, that's, that's really bad. Really it's bad. it's like you know, every once in a while, they're like a basketball game. Like someone will like turn their knee the wrong way, and oh, oh, it's bad. I know that's awful. Kevin, um, basketball yeah, is a, is a famous sport in which it's five on five, and then they people dribble a ball up and down the court and mm. they shoot it into a hoop. Is that the is that the one where you can like get a swish? Or it's a the one that Michael Jordan played in Space Jam. I'll put it in right. There we go. Right, right, right. But not the Michael <laughs> Jordan. Not not the Michael Jordan from Black Panther. This is the other. This is a different Michael Jordan. Right. Okay. I'm, right. I'm giving Kevin a hard time because I had to explain who Alex Smith. Because Kevin's from DC, and uh, I have his, no idea who that is. Yeah, I, Kevin. There, his foot. Kevin's football team. The Redskins, they're getting a quarterback named Alex Smith. So anyway, um, that's, no that's why I'm giving Kevin a hard time. We made it through Black Panther chatter without getting Kevin in trouble, I think. So we're good. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah, move yeah. on to the I, next yeah. topic. Next topic, um, the Oscars. Wait, this wait, is... wait, 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 wait. D- hey, Disney's calling me. Hold on, guys. Oh, sorry, shoot. Okay. Sorry. Oh, sorry. All right. It was, it was Walt. He, yeah, canceled. it was Walt. Sorry. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is it. This is a podcast dedicated to the Oscar telecast and um, in past episodes, which you guys can find on iTunes and you can actually watch uh, on YouTube. We have them archived on Cinema Blend's YouTube page. We discuss uh, the Oscars and we're leading up to the March 4th uh, ceremony, which to me is... Um, it's a problem. The ceremony is a problem. The telecast is a problem. It's a deeply flawed show. And I hear this from more and more people uh, over the years that they just, they've tuned out. They they don't necessarily care. We are an information now uh, type society and we don't want to sit through a three hour uh, show. And the host keeps changing and sometimes they hit the mark with a host, but quite often they don't. Um, I think that, you know, 
back in the day when they were using Billy Crystal, he was a bit of a showman. They used Hugh Jackman. He's entertaining from the stage, but they took a risk with Anne Hathaway and James Franco and they fell on their face. And so now they're leaning more towards TV hosts. You'll see Seth Meyers hosting the Golden Globes and Jimmy Kimmel's been doing the Oscars for a couple of years now and he's going to be doing it again. I thought Ellen did a great job when she was host for the Oscars. These are people who host a daily show uh, and seem comfortable in that medium. But I pitched it to the guys this week. I said, come back to me with one thing that you would do uh, to fix the Oscar telecast. So Kevin, why don't you start? Tell me one thing that you would do to fix the telecast or maybe you don't think it's broken. No, I mean, honestly, I think Ellen was my favorite host in recent years because of the way she interacted with the crowd and the way she did that bit with ordering the pizza to the, to the, to the, uh, to the uh, auditorium uh, and then taking the selfie and then tweeting it out. To me, that's that's the way a host can interact and keep an audience engaged at home. Um, she, in my opinion, Ellen did it perfectly. She, she Like some of these hosts, in my opinion, it's for the show in the room that night and not for the people watching all around the country and the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone like an Ellen made it feel like you were there. Uh, and, and, and I love how she brought it down to a human level. I mean, listen, like, listen, all actors and filmmakers, they're all human beings, but you know, that we do put them up in a certain level because of their talents and, and, and the way we, if we, especially when we love movies so much, we, we look at them in a, in a, in a different regard. Um, so that night, just kind of the idea of the pizza and the selfie and all that kind of stuff. It just, I don't know, to me, if more hosts did things like that, uh, I guess specifically engaging the audience, having us interact at home, Hey, go out and retweet this tweet, make it the most retweeted tweet of all time. Then you're like, you're involved in the show and you're having fun with it. You're keeping up to date. Um, also you need to lessen the time on these shows. A three and a half hour broadcast, three hour broadcast is way too long. Um, and it's, and I say that, I don't mean it sound hypocritical but when i watched the grammys while the show was so long you have to give them credit for covering every single genre of music that evening every single genre was covered so if you're a music lover i get that like that might be your thing people just don't love drawn out shows so i think the the length needs to be cut down and the host need to be more interactive like ellen was but that's mine mine is the length and it's it has to be shorter it can't be it can't be the three plus hours that it is and the only solution to that is eliminating categories and I don't want to eliminate I, – I, in my gut, I don't want to have to get rid of the presentations for documentary you know, and short film and foreign language film and, and things that, that – if you say the general public isn't interested in screenwriter uh, you know, and best song and things like that, they're really not interested in those smaller categories. But I, I also think those people deserve their recognition. So that's where I'm at. I'm at an impasse. I don't really know because I, I agree the show has to be shorter um, critics choice. We do critics choice in, in two hours and, and we do movies and TV and it moves like a freight train, but everybody gets their moment. So I, the Oscars have to figure out some way to shorten it. That's my big thing. Jake, what about you? Uh, yeah, I would definitely, I mean, unfortunately there are quite a few people that would be outside my apartment with, uh, with pitchforks, but there are definitely categories that could be eliminated and could right. easily shave an hour off. I think people would be much more apt to, um, to, uh, to, to watch the show if they knew it was only going to be two hours or two and a half hours. Kevin's point is absolutely perfect. I think being involved. I also have a fundamental problem with just sort of the, the foundation of just sort of how the Oscars work. And and I'm a big advocate of like, don't present a problem if you don't have a resolution and I don't have a resolution for this. But I think one of my biggest issues with, with the Oscars is the idea of campaigning for it. And, and that so removed that, 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 
I think makes people feel, especially whenever I explain to them the concept of like like screenings going around and shaking hands and kissing babies and how they say, oh, how did this person not win? And I go, it's because they didn't go around, they didn't go to screenings and they didn't shake hands and they didn't take selfies with people. I feel like that takes people even further. I mean, they already feel like pretty far uh, removed from that world. And I think like that makes it even further. The idea that someone could win or lose an Oscar based on not on the film or the merit of their performance or the, or, or or their job, but because they spent three months traveling around L.A. or New York taking selfies with every person that has the capacity to vote for them, makes it seem like like you're playing an unfair game. Like it makes mm-hmm. it seem well then like well then what does it matter because it's not even like because. One thing I will I do not agree with is this idea of uh, including more blockbusters because I'm an advocate for like blockbusters don't need our help they don't need Oscars like yeah if they're really good something like The Dark Knight should have been nominated for Best Picture but don't nominate it just because it's really popular like something like mm-hmm. The Florida Project needs help and if more people go see it because it's nominated for an Oscar to me that's a win but the fact that someone can win or lose an Oscar simply based on the fact that like oh like they had to shoot a film during that three month period and they weren't able to get to LA and they weren't able to go to the to the production screenings it gives this whole like feeling of like well then what's the point of even doing this thing like if that's if that's what it means like not based on merit but based on who ran the best campaign it's like running for president I agree well, I agree with everything you issue- said the campaign issue would be resolved if the show was in January. Yeah. Why, why, why is the show in March? How come we're just sitting around spinning our wheels discussing these same titles because the show isn't going to be on for another month? Why couldn't you Why couldn't you nominate and have the show within two weeks? You can. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. It's very weird how there's that much time in between. Do you think there's something to do with maybe like the idea of nominating the movies and then giving them this month or a half period for people to go see them? Uh, is there is that like a do you think that's a thought process? I have no idea if that's a I don't know, but it is weird because once you get that nomination, your film kind of blasts up and gets a, a lot more percentages, gets in, back into more theaters. So I wonder if maybe there's some kind of you know in, uh, idea with the studios and, and the nominations that they want to give a little time for people to watch the movies and they hope that it boosts their ticket sales. I don't I don't know. That, that's I don't know that's why. a good point. I mean, like I get that because I know a lot of people that that tell me like, oh, I like they they say it with pride. I go see all the Oscar movies before Oscar night. Like I know a lot of people that make an effort to do that. And yeah, if you only have 14 days to do it, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe they think more people will be invested in the Oscars if they've seen the films. Yeah. I just thought, yeah, I don't see, I don't know if the show is going to be highly rated this year. Oh, I think, I think we're going to see record lows. I mean, after, after the low ratings of the globes, after the low ratings of the Grammys and the fact that we are still over a month away from the Oscars. I think that multiplied by the fact that I know a lot of people are growing tired of award shows that are attached to a political statement and a social statement. Not taking away the importance of that political and social statement, but I know people that wish the two could be separated. I think we're going to see record low ratings for the Oscars this year. I also think, and and again, this is not a movie thing, I think the Super Bowl ratings are going to be lower than usual. I really do. I, I have, I, I, and I think a lot of it has to do with the political climate we're in right now. Dude, if, if, the, if the Patriots have taught us anything, is that they'll cheat the numbers. <laughs> oh. uh, by the way, and if we can, by the, uh, I don't know if, you, if we can do this maybe like now or at the end of the show. Just real quick, I want. Can we all give our Super Bowl prediction as to who's going to win? I'm just curious, like where you guys are at. I know it's a movie show, but I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a sports fan. As you and as Jake knows, I don't even know who Alex Smith was. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I'd be interested to give that prediction later. Well, you on watch, don't you? We, are you both going to watch the game? Right? Of yeah, course. We'll do. Yeah. I mean, come on. I, I watch it for the, trailers. This is us. Comes Especially on after. Me too. I watch it for the commercials. This By the way, year, if, you're, 
If you're an advertiser, stop releasing your commercials prior to the game. I hate that so much. Like, it's like, to me, it's like the whole point, the only reason I watch Super Bowl, I'm not invested in the Patriots or the Eagles. Uh, I'm watching it because I want to see what trailers are going to come out. If you want to do the bit where you release the trailer for the trailer, fine. Give us 10-second tease. But stop releasing them early and having us – I hate that. It takes away from the entire special moment of watching that show live. It goes um, so, back to sitting down in a movie theater and seeing a trailer that you've never seen before. I missed that. A movie yeah. that you didn't know was coming. And I know that we can't recapture that that magic of old old marketing days. But you can protect the sanctity of a Super Bowl trailer yes. and not show us anything. I mean, yeah. to, to go back to Marvel, when they did their Infinity War drop, nobody saw any tease before it. It just dropped, and it was glorious, and we loved it. Yeah. Well, that that whole yeah. joke of like this Dundee sequel that we were or were not getting with Danny McBride and Chris Hemsworth. The reason no one, because I don't know if you like the whole resolution was that it was it was paid for by Tourism Australia. The whole yeah. reason that no one bought that it was a real movie was because no one could wrap their mind around the idea that a movie <laughs> was made that big that we didn't know about. 20 years ago, right. that we could have seen that trailer and gone, oh my God, I didn't even know they were making it. And today, the whole yeah. bit is ruined because they, yeah, everyone went, no, we would have known if that movie were being made. Like, well, unless it's a Cloverfield movie. you could Wait, so was that, was that a fake movie? Yeah, it, it's, it a, it's, a, uh, it's, it's a setup for a Super Bowl ad that's, that's paid oh. for by Tourism Australia. I didn't know it was fake. I, I I hadn't read that follow-up story. All I saw was that Chris Hemsworth posted the video, uh, and I'm like, oh, I guess they're making another Dundee movie. And I'm like, oh, and then you know I didn't even know there was a follow-up to it. So thank you for clarifying I, that. I want to see that movie, though. I want to see Danny McBride as I did not as know Mick I Dundee's wanted a Danny McBride, Chris Hemsworth movie until I saw that trailer. And then I went, I really Maybe. want a Danny McBride, Chris Hemsworth movie. Maybe that's the point. Maybe they did it as a test to see if there was an audience. Well, I think, well, Chris Hemsworth is on the board of Tourism America, so I think he had a big hand in in sort of making that happen. But again, think how much more of a buzz that would have been if that if that trailer just oh, aired yeah. during the Super Bowl with all oh, of those yeah. people. Hugh Jackman's in it, Chris Hemsworth in it, Margot Robbie's yeah. in it, all of these famous people. And you'd be like, the next day, all of the stories recapping the the trailer thing would be like what is this mick dundee this crocodile dundee new reboot and then the then they can come out and be like no it's just it's for australian tourism and then they'd get even more buzz instead yeah, it's deflated of- before the game's even started. i think they're i think the their argument behind wait, wait, wait. Did, was that a tom brady joke sorry 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 go, sorry, uh, Jake, sorry he said deflated I, sorry, I, I think i think their their probably thought process behind that was if we're going to spend two million dollars on on a 60 second spot we want to make sure people come out of that knowing exactly what we're yeah. advertising. And if I guess. 75% of people walk out of that thinking, oh, uh, cool, a, a, a Dundee movie, as opposed to, I want to go to Australia, then that's sort of $2 million Just wasted. Show me Tom Cruise hanging from a helicopter for 30 seconds. That's all I want to Am say. I the only one that's excited about the This Is Us episode that comes on after the Super Bowl? Oh, no, I'm on board with that 100%. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. And what I loved about that, too, is at the end of the last episode, when they were like, uh, you know, we're going to be on after the game. Be sure to set your DVRs for later because the game's going to run yeah. over. Yeah, I mean, that was like the most DVR savvy message I've ever gotten about for a TV show. So, no, I'm on board for that 100%. 
hundred percent. All right. So let's get to categories. Um, we had promised that we were going to break down the supporting actor and actress category. They are ones that we've been discussing for a while. If you guys have gone back and listened to our past episodes, I think you might get an idea of where we're going. But um, in this conversation, I really want to get into some snubs because when I was writing out the names of the people who got into these categories, I was also stunned to the people who were left out. So we're going to go to supporting actor where we have Willem Dafoe, Woody Harrelson, Richard Jenkins, Christopher Plummer, and Sam Rockwell as your five nominees. Uh, real quick round around uh, the table. Tell me who you guys think is going to win right now before we get into snubs. Uh, Rockwell. Rockwell, no question. Uh, I wouldn't say I no question, but I say, I say Rockwell dot dot dot. Because he picked up the previous uh, wins, all the, he's sort of ticking them off yeah, as he gets closer I, to it. That's what you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the, that's the safe Vegas bet. I still stand by the fact that I don't think. I mean, it's it's been the same four actors and actresses at every award show up to this point, and I just don't. I feel like somewhere there's got to be a there's got to be a buck in the trend. There's got to be a break, and I think that the biggest chance at the break comes in supporting actor. Well, there's the backlash against his character. Also, yeah, the backlash against his character, which has time to snowball. Um, which I also feel like is kind of plateaued. Like, I feel like I heard a lot about it for a hot second. And now right. I feel like, you know, and granted, maybe it's just because he hasn't been winning as many awards because it's sort of died down into the Oscars. I just think that we could see a, an Eddie Murphy, Alan Arkin situation where it, it's the first oh. award of the night and you, you're pretty sure it's going to be this person and all of a sudden it's not. Do you remember how mad Eddie Murphy was? Didn't he get out and, didn't he get up and walk out? He was so mad. It was awesome. And I love Eddie Murphy, and I really wanted him to win. And he thought he was going to win. And then, yeah, he didn't stay for the rest of the telecast. And he was sitting right in the front. Oh, that By was the amazing. Way, that was good telecast. Eddie Murphy deserved an Academy Award for Nutty Professor. And you guys can kill me no, for that. No, I'll stand, I'll stand by you for that. Yeah. Unbel- if, you, if you study that dinner table scene... Just the breakdown of all the characters he's playing at once and how he actually performed that with a tennis ball to his left and right while he's talking to the person and then, and then getting up and redoing the scene and having to keep that comedic timing. That performance, I don't know what won that year. I know he wasn't even nominated because the Academy doesn't look at comedy and, uh, uh, as, a, as, a, as a great level of acting, which is ridiculous because um, I think it's harder than drama. But um, I think that, uh, to me, that should have won. He, he deserved an Academy Award for that performance. Even worse, I bet you he got a Razzie that year. They yeah. love picking on him. Well, I mean, speaking for, of yeah. Razzies, a lot of people will say the reason he didn't win the Oscar for Dreamgirls is because they released Norbit in the middle Norbit. of Oscar voting. Right. So a lot of people right. said, well, we can't give it to the guy that just put out Norbit. Well, also, he's really tough to work with from what I've heard. Like, I don't think people in the industry really like him. Yeah. Have you guys interviewed him? up a little bit. I interviewed him for Dreamgirls. Yeah. Did you? Oh, and wow. And he was great. He was great. He was really nice. And I would say, I, he, I, I found, I've only interviewed him once. It was for that... that I think it was called Tower Heist. He was paired with Ben Stiller. Um, okay. It was, I mean, it was, it was fine. I was actually nervous going in because I'd heard so much negative stuff about him, but I thought it was a fine interview. I got him on a carpet once. He was getting honored uh, in D.C. I think it was the Mark Twain Awards. Um, and I and you guys know me. I used the opportunity to ask a question that I, that I wanted to ask, which was about Nutty Professor. And, that's kinda, uh, and, and, I, and I talked to him about that scene. I mean, he walked me through the entire scene, and then he joked at the end that um, the, all the fart sounds in the film were real. He just ate a really big gaseous meal before uh-huh. the scene and actually released <laughs> gas. Uh, but no, but it was it was it was cool. That scene, and that scene blew. That scene blows my mind. But as a kid, when you watch it, it's funny, and it's like immature and goofy. But the technicality of that scene, man, it is like that's really cool how they pulled that off. 
Yeah, but it's incredible. Anyways. All right, of those five, best supporting actor, who deserves to win, in your opinion, Jake? Ooh, I I. Honestly, I really like Rockwell, and I don't know if it's like I, I thought his performance is great. Every time I watch that movie, I've seen that movie multiple times now. Like he's he's the one that that my eye is drawn to the most in, in the scenes with multiple people. And there is also a bias of like I've always felt that Sam Rockwell is an underappreciated actor, and I like right. that he's getting some attention right now. Um, no one, I mean, the average person, you know, probably knows who Willem Dafoe is, but now I think the average person is starting to figure out who Sam Rockwell is. If they'll discover his performances, I know Kevin's, you know, mentioned this before. Moon is one of the best performances of maybe the last ten years, and seven people have saw it, have seen it, and three of them are on this podcast right now. Um, from his work to you know, uh, from Matchstick Men or even The Green Mile um, as Billy the Kid, it just I, I, I want him to win because I think he. Ha- not only earns it from this role, but has earned it. And I know that we're against career Oscars, but uh, you know, if, if you're gonna, you can't say that like Willem Dafoe deserves a career Oscar and not say Sam Rockwell deserves a career Oscar. Yeah, no, I understand. Kevin, how about you? Who deserves to win? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna sound like a hypocrite here because again, I'm against the whole career Oscar win. But um, I, I love the idea of people of Sam Rockwell's name being read that night. I don't know, uh, and it's someone that I spent a lot of time on Twitter when Moon came out, uh, just. Not that it had, would have any effect on the Academy Awards, but I just was like, this guy deserves a nomination at least. And I remember Duncan Jones was all over that. There was a whole hashtag for Sam Rockwell. Um, so to me, in the category, out of the five that are nominated, I think he delivered the best performance. So I genuinely think he de- he deserves the award based on his performance in the five that are nominated, but also hypocritically i kind of uh want to see him win just for just to give him recommendation and hopefully people will go back and turn on as jake said moon or the green mile uh and matchstick men which is an incredible film love Matchstick that movie yeah but what about woody cage the argument you guys are making could be applied to woody harrelson also he's been nominated three times he's never won i don't think woody's performance is that strong yeah i agree i i sort of see woody in in uh in three billboards. I love Woody. And, and the thing is, I think what, what makes like, I'd argue Woody's better, better in true detective than he is in, yes. uh, in three billboards. And well, I'm not saying that there's anything Jake, wrong they with can't give Woody. an Oscar for a television show. I don't, I don't want to break the, I don't know why not here. because most TV shows are better than uh, most movies these days. <laughs> but, um, no, I, 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 and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like quote unquote seeing Woody in three billboards because Woody just by himself is a better character than most fictional scripted characters but um i didn't see like a true amount of and also like spoiler alert especially if you're listening to this podcast um he disappears halfway through the film so mm-hmm. i mean granted it, you know he that's that's also this disappears is it a mystery yes that's exactly and try to figure out where he is <laughs> is he a billboard yes <laughs> could you could you imagine like Daniel Day Lewis like going full method and playing a billboard in three billboards? Like, like that's that's actually Daniel Day Lewis. Like all three of them. I, I saw someone. I think someone tweeted it or or someone posted it on Reddit that Gary Oldman's going to win the Oscar and get up on stage and rip off his face, and it's going to be Daniel Day Lewis who has been playing Gary Oldman his entire career. <laughs> that's really funny. That is. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. 
Uh, I put down some snubs in our notes, and I, I'm curious if you guys uh, think any of these guys belong in in place of the five. I, I put down Mark Rylance um, for Dunkirk, who I thought actually gave a great performance in that film. Uh, Ray Romano for The Big Sick. Uh, Patrick fucking Stewart. Patrick fucking Stewart for Logan. That's the one for me. Uh, That's And Michael Stolberg, who gave incredible performances in a number of films. How did these guys not get in? They... Uh, a, I think Patrick Stewart should not only be in, but but should be the front runner. So uh, I'm dumbfounded that he's not in. And and Michael Stolberg for Call Me by Your Name. I know you guys, neither of you guys are really high on the film. You like it, but don't love it. But but that scene with his son at the end of the movie is the textbook example of a scene that normally gets people into a into a category like this. Agreed. I I mean, if I if I even though I wasn't crazy about that movie, if I had to list the top ten best moments of movies in 2017. That mm-hmm. scene with his son on the couch would be on my top ten list. I think. Um, I agree. Uh, he, if there were like you know an, an MVP, you know, there's like the MVP of the Super Bowl, MVP of the World Series. Like, I think he deserves MVP of movies in 2017 because I think no matter what wins Best Picture, he's probably going to be in it. Um, uh, I think what three billboards might be the one that he's not actually in. Uh, yeah, Michael <laughs> Stolberg, just an absolutely amazing actor that is just sort of in everything between that and he does tv he was in boardwalk empires and he was in fargo this past season um but yeah i mean uh, of uh i mean patrick stewart sir patrick stewart may have been one of if not my favorite performance of 2017 every Mm -hmm. snub that sean just mentioned uh, i think it was four names i would take every the other four nominees out keep rockwell put those four in because they're all better than every person you mentioned in the category in my opinion um, Mark Rylance, in my opinion, and you, and this is not my, I mean, I love Dunkirk, but that is the most underappreciated performance of the year, in my opinion, because it is such a, the film is so, uh, high octane intensity, low dialogue, but he carries that film emotionally along with the score, but it is, there's a moment in that movie where he's like talking to his son about going over to save the gentleman who's, uh, who's landed in the water. And the son's like, hey, you know, you know we might, we, I don't think he had a flare gun, so he's probably dead. And then Brian Lance is like, but he might be alive. And like the way he says the line is very, I mean, to me, that was like, whoa. And um, the nod. Yeah, I think I, I'd I, argue his best scene is the nod. Whenever, yeah. whenever uh, Cillian Murphy asks if the kid who is, who is dead, if he's okay. Yes! And the boy lies and says he's fine, and he looks at his father, yes. and Mark Rylance nods. To me, mm-hmm. that yeah. is his. Per- like, I know, like that's you can't do that as an Oscar moment because he's not actually speaking. Right. But like, that's that's freaking acting. Like, I know it sounds stupid, but like that nod is some of the best acting of that movie. Well, I'm with you. I'm I, get, with- I, I I get teary eyed during that scene, I, and, and and to carry that much weight in a nod, um, you know, and it's a devastating scene. And for people who haven't seen Dunkirk, uh. I, what that scene says to me is that Rylance's character is saying, yes, George is dead and it's a horrible thing, but it, it, it was an accident and Killian Murphy is so messed up that it, it, don't, don't add to his, to his uh, mentality of where he currently is. And it's a really powerful thing because it's a horrible thing that just happened, yet we understand where he's coming from as a character to give his son that nod. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that nod blows my mind. I'm, I, I, and seeing that movie every time I've seen it, like, I, it just hits me. It's like a, it, it's, it, and I'll, I'll never forget, uh, and Jake knows this in Breaking Bad, um, in season two, when, uh, uh, Walter lets Christian Ritter's character die. Mm. Uh, and there's a, uh, and he, there's a moment in the scene where he's Walter White 
And then you literally see his face become Heisenberg in the moment. It's just as powerful as the nod. It's like this very weird, like internal, simple moment that carries so much weight. That is the hardest thing an actor can do, in my opinion. Because like a lot of acting is you want to be showy and vocal and, and crying or emotional. But uh, just the depth that Mark Rylance found in that moment and then the depth that... Uh, breaking uh, that Brian Cranston finds in that moment that I just equate equate those two is like just heavy heavy little internal moments I don't know, for some reason it's crazy let me throw some love to uh, Richard Jenkins before we move out of this category because he's incredible in Shape yeah. of Water he's very I've said good. that in, I've said it in past podcasts and yeah. he's amazing but I mean I mean look at all the things we just mentioned from the people who are not in the category and it's 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 weird that's a weird category this year and you're right it's probably going to go to I'm going to step away for 30 seconds speak continue speaking I'm going to step away I'll be right back don't Kevin, go anywhere uh, Jake is going to step away he'll be right back Kevin we will start the supporting actress nominees I will mention yeah, the fact I- that they are yes what are you going to say I just wanted to mention I do agree on the Sir Patrick Stewart thing too. I wish he I wish he was in. I wish Hugh Jackman was in for best actor. I mean I really uh but yeah, Patrick Stewart's performance in in Logan is one of his one of his career best, no question. Supporting actress, we have Mary J. Blige for Mudbound, uh, Allison Janney for I, Tanya, Leslie Manville for The Phantom Thread, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird, and Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water. Kevin, I will start with you. Who do you think right now is the frontrunner? Oh, uh, Allison Janney, no question. Allison I mean, Janney for I, Tanya. Again, I, I, I've said this before. I think the four acting categories are locked. I, I, I can't see her losing to anybody. Um, she's amazing in the film. It's a great performance. It's one of her best performances. It is, it is showy, but also emotionally devastating. It's a brutal character. Uh, she uh, just, it is, it's a hard character. You don't like the character whatsoever, but you like watching her. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a, uh, an element of what is going to come out of her mouth? Like, what's she going to say next? What is she going to do next? Uh, so to me, that's that that that's the the beauty of a performance like that is just the unpredictability of that character uh, well, and where she's going to go. When she's not on screen, you're waiting for her to come back, without a Agreed. doubt. And I don't think you can say that about the other characters uh, in that category right now. It, when when Laurie Metcalf, she's getting a lot of attention for playing Lady Bird's mom. Um, she has great scenes, but when she's not in the in the movie. When she's not in a particular scene, that's following Saoirse Ronan, who's great as Lady Bird. Like, there's a lot of other really other co- colorful characters in that. We've talked about Octavia Spencer, who I don't think has much of a role in Shape Agreed. of Water. Like, she's a support system for Sally Hawkins, but she's fun have to watch. A moment, yeah. I don't, well, like, what's the yeah. performance? But it's because uh, Octavia Spencer is fun to watch. It's a performance. Right. It, it is, but I mean, so okay, so let's go to the snubs really fast. Like Tiffany Haddish, I thought had a really good chance of getting in holly hunter holly hunter is yeah, not in this category the way me, that that's, that's the big not in the other one. and yeah. i mean how do you recognize the big sick and not recognize these performances i, right. I don't get that i don't understand same thing with the, i mean we'll get around to the post and other categories but the post gets a best picture nomination and they don't recognize anyone but meryl streep i don't yeah. i don't get that but was the tiffany haddish thing ever actually going to happen or was that something that twitter got behind uh, i don't think it was going to uh, happen um just because i mean it, it it, it sort of reminded me of um, Melissa McCarthy and Bridesmaids, only Melissa mm-hmm. McCarthy and Bridesmaids was getting nominations. Like, everyone kept talking about Tiffany Haddish and how great it would be if she were getting nominations, but she never really picked up the track. I felt like people were talking about it as if it were happening, and it wasn't actually happening. And then people seemed to be surprised when she didn't get the Oscar nomination. And my thought was, outside of the Critics' Choice, 
what really was she nominated for? Like she she wasn't. Right. It's it's not like she was getting nominated for everything and then didn't get a nomination. Like she never picked up. She never had the traction, and it would have been nice. Well, ha- Haddish deserved the nomination, no question. And, and there's uh, the big reason for that, in my opinion, is, is she carries the film emotionally, uh, and and also that she carries the raunchy level of the film. To me, a performer to be able to be the most absurdly raunchy character in the movie at the same time, also the person that holds the entire film together emotionally. Um, that's a, that's a good, it's a great performance. Um, I think the reason I was hopeful was exactly what Jake just said. Uh, Melissa McCarthy being nominated uh, for comedy uh, performance for Bridesmaids gave me uh, a glimmer of hope in my mind that she may get in there somehow. Uh, as you know, again, she wasn't nominated for uh, the other major awards leading up to it, besides Critics' Choice. Um, I don't know. There, th- I I still have a very big problem with Andy Serkis and and her, uh, and Tiffany Haddish being the two that nominated that did the nomination announcements. Yet they were the ones that, in my opinion, deserved nominations themselves. And I, I, I interviewed Andy Serkis yesterday, and I was telling him that. And I, I, I think that you know. Uh, that performance in, in, in Caesar and in, in Apes is incredible, but you know I, I want to see those two do a movie together. I think that'd be kind of fun to watch uh, Haddish and Circus in a film. They are an odd choice when you consider the fact that they each got snubbed that morning. Like, why else right. would you pick them and put the two of them together? But I mean, but Andy Circus, no one actually ever thought he was going to be nominated. I know mean, Tiffany Hash was in the conversation, but right. well, but Andy no just, one went into nominations, yeah, he, yeah, okay, but but there, but it's not like. He was in. He wasn't actually ever even right. in the running. Like he was. He hadn't been nominated for anything else. So it's not like they were pretty much telling him you're not getting a nomination when he thought he might. I mean, maybe to, right. for Tiffany Haddish, maybe that might have bothered her. Do you guys? Do you guys think they might do? I don't know. I'm feeling that the Academy is going to do like a an appreciation award this year, maybe for Circus, based on having him do the nomination announcements, like like uh, some type of. Oh, that's like, hey, look at what this guy's done. Well, would they the, do know, it we, without promoting it? You think they would do it as a surprise? Maybe they'll announce it in a couple weeks. That would I be that would be awesome. I could because, I mean, they used to do that a while ago. What they haven't done it in years, but they used to do like a special achievement. Didn't oh, Robin Williams have one? Uh, I don't know. Did Robin Did Williams get like a special some special award for his voice work? Um, uh, over the I don't remember. Didn't he like? Didn't they give him like a post? Post award for Aladdin. It's I don't remember. I remember I'm wrong on that. I but. mean, he would have Apes and Snoke this year, you yeah. know, to recognize or last year. But no, recognize. you go, you go, you yeah. go through, you go. But I can imagine like a two minute piece on like the art of motion capture and performance capture of Andy Serkis. Hey, this is the guy you know, but you don't yeah. know. And then they maybe they go back to Gollum and Lord of the Rings and they bring you up to date with where he is now. Okay, I, I have a question pe- for you. People would be love that. If he, I agree with you. I think, I think the Special Achievement Award actually is an amazing idea they should bring back. Um, if circus, if they do that for Circus, let, let's say hypothetically it happens and he goes up there and he holds the Oscar and he's got that. From hence point forward, is he Academy Award winner Andy Circus? I don't no. know. But, no. But no. I also, right? no. I also find no. myself disagreeing with the idea that like I don't Which is think so this. Sad. Yeah, I know, but but I don't think this. I, I mean, you guys know where I stand on this. I think what he does is no different than what actors do every single day in the movies we watch. But that being said, giving him that type of award, in my opinion, goes against everything I stand for and about that because, like, you know, I, I I want him to win for an acting award. Now, I would still I I uh, be happy with some type of recognition for a general audience to see. 
a, a reel of what this guy is doing. And maybe yeah. the hope there, in my opinion, would be that it would be, it would be seen by enough eyeballs that it would then start a conversation as to why these people who are doing performance capture and voice work are not being included in the acting categories. That's what if they hope. recognize him and he gets up on stage and he tears off his face and we realize it's been <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> playing Andy Circus playing motion capture this entire time. <laughs> and no, Daniel Day Lewis gets up and applauds. No, no, Daniel Day Lewis is the actual is the actual performance <laughs> capture suit that Andy wears. That's that that that. There's no such thing as motion capture. There's no such thing. Motion capture has he's not been the invented. Suit. Yeah. No, no, he's the he. Every part of Andy's dots. That's all Daniel Day Lewis. He's been preparing them for this for years. <laughs> but he's still retiring <laughs> to go cobble shoes. <laughs> Right, all right, does, all right. does anybody beat Allison Janney or is she a lock? No, it's a fairly boring category to talk about, I feel like. Then let's move on to our I, last I, topic. I, 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 I mean we... to like kill the moment in the podcast, but like it's just one of those <laughs> that like it's Allison Janney. Like, yeah, it's Allison Jake basically Janney. just said, don't listen to our show is what he just said. He, he did. Like, he I, do said, have, I, I do have a, a side Oscar question that we, did, we never agreed that we were going to talk about. So going back to the topic of like who gets deemed like, you know, in trailers and posters to be called Academy Award winner. Uh, Matt Damon gets called Academy Award winner. He didn't win for acting, but just because he he won for writing a screenplay. Do you guys consider Brad Pitt an Academy Award winner? No. Even, no. Why, why not? Why? Oh, because he's a producer. Because he produced. I mean, yeah, because he produced Twelve Years a Slave. He he, he has he, is. he he has an Oscar. But but he doesn't get in 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 posters and in, in trailers. He doesn't get called Academy Award winner Brad Pitt. Right, but I'll tell you why. Because when they're selling that, it's like. Come see this Academy Award nominated performer performing for you. Well, why? Okay, what about Matt Damon? But because mm. he he he's Academy Award winning for um, or even even Ben Affleck screenwriter for screenwriter. Yeah, it's a great. And, and for they years, put that on their posters, they don't. Oh, put... but there he's always Academy Award winner Matt Damon. That's interesting. Mm. And and like for uh, years yeah. before he won for acting, Michael Douglas okay. won uh, for producing Technic- One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Technically, I give, it, he's I give a, more technically. credit for screenwriter than I do for producing, because at least you, I don't want to say that you're not doing anything yeah. as a producer, but you're primarily putting up money and yeah. moving people's schedules around. So. It's just I, you know, it's, it's, it, there's I don't think there's any like actual scientific rule to who does and who doesn't. I, I I just think it's interesting that that we often think of Matt Damon as an Oscar winner, but we don't think of uh, Brad Pitt as an Oscar winner, despite neither of them winning Oscars for actually acting. I it's don't great think question. that they would want you to to, to refer to them as uh, Academy, especially not Pitt. I think Pitt would rather be recognized for his acting, not for being a producer. Yeah, and I I bet he if you called him Academy Award winner, he'd probably think that's bogus. That's, that's a fascinating question, Jake. I mean, like, is it, like where is the line there? Because yeah, I mean, technically speaking, Brad Pitt's yeah. an Academy Award winner. But what's even weirder is that in trailers, because and the reason the, the reason I'm thinking about this is because I'm thinking of the trailer for The Big Short. Because by that point, he already had the Oscar for 12 Years a Slave. In the trailer for The Big Short, they refer to him as Academy Award nominee Brad Pitt. Mm. So it's not like they don't put anything at all. They put Academy Award nominee, which is technically, I mean, he's not a nominee, he's a winner. So if you're going to put something above it, shouldn't, mm. it, shouldn't it be the accurate something? Yeah, he's, but he's weird. both of those. But yeah, but if you but either one of them yeah. still puts him in. I mean, it still argues that point of well, it's a technical thing. It's not really like a it's not really uh, a performance based uh, award. So it's interesting. 
at the end of the day, he still gets to be Brad Pitt. And that's better than anything that we're going to call him, essentially. That's very so. true. This is true. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing, too, that is that, like, we, we, we have these arguments, and the people that we're arguing about probably could not care less. <laughs> <laughs> but if either of you get one of those guys, I want you to ask. Ask Damon, because he'd rather be asked that than yeah. a Harvey Weinstein question. I want I'm to sure. ask... Like, uh, Do you actually consider yeah. yourself an, Academy? Uh, an Oscar winner? Yeah. I asked Jeff Bridges if people care about what movie they actually win an Oscar for. That's great. Tell that answer. I love I, well, that. Uh, so the, the, the question came from, it was whenever we were doing interviews for the remake of True Grit. And by that point, he had just come off of his Oscar win for Crazy Heart. And the reason I asked the question is because John Wayne won his first and only Oscar for True Grit. And it was, by many people, considered like sort of a gimme Oscar. Like he hadn't won one by that point. He was sort of getting long in the tooth. He wasn't going to get a lot of other opportunities like, hey, here you go. People will say like, oh, it's not really the movie he should have won for. So then I asked Jeff Bridges, on that, since you're playing the same character as John Wayne and you just come off your, came off your Oscar win, do actors actually care about the movie for, for which they won the Oscar? And he pretty much, I'm paraphrasing because I, it's been, I, I, don't, I don't, believe it or not, I don't go back and rewatch my interviews a lot. But if I remember what he said, he pretty much said no. It's more about getting it from the colleagues, standing in front of the people that you respect, the people that you've worked with. And, um, and I think that's sort of, um, you know, I don't know if you saw the, the bit that, that Jimmy Kimmel did with Meryl Streep a few weeks ago where he asked her to name all the movies she was nominated for. Yeah, and she, she, couldn't. she couldn't even do it. I don't think they ever, I don't think they super care what movie they win for. I think they just want to win. Francis McDormand called it a doorstop. A doorstop, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's like, give, give these doorstops to someone else, please. Yeah. I don't really need them anymore. Yeah. I don't know. But listen, it fuels our podcast. Um, before yes, we run does. out of time, I want to get to this last topic because uh, our boy, Steven Spielberg, who is like the patron Stevie. saint of our podcast, Sir right? Stevie. Like if we were to, if we were to put one of them on the pedestal. Picture. There he is. He's on my yeah, wall. Yeah, there he is. There he is, uh, Sir we, we, we love Spielberg. Um, but there was news this past week that he has two projects in the in the hopper. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm borderline. Uh, which one? Who? No, you said Hopper. I said Dennis Hopper. So <laughs> You're derailing me, Apologies. Kevin. What are you doing? Sorry. Um, uh, Indiana Jones 5 and West Side Story, a remake of West Side Story. Um, I'm, I'm concerned about each of those. Uh, he wants to shoot Indiana Jones 5 before he does West Side Story, and um, I don't think he should do that movie at all. And with West Side Story, I just don't know when you take something that's deemed an, a classic, right? And, and is Spielberg doing it because he thinks he can do it better um what are your guys thoughts on that like he opens temple of doom with this great song and dance tribute to old hollywood musicals does that mean we want to see him tackle a a musical or with the few films that we think spielberg probably has left not to be morbid um do we want to see him doing something totally different and original and creative i i'm going to uh present a, a, a maybe an unpopular opinion i think these are the last two movies he does before he retires um, what? I, I think what? I think he wants to do Indiana Jones 5 because I think he's not crazy about 4 and wants to end it on a good note because he okay. no longer has to be involved with Lucas anymore, which means Lucas good can't boy. fiddle and, and, and say, oh, it has to have aliens. So I think he wants yeah. to do – I think he wants one more shot at Indy to get it right. And he right. has wanted to make West Side Story – for years, I think ten years ago, he talked about the battle he spent trying to get the rights for it. I think he spent, I think I read, fifteen years just trying to acquire the right. This is, a, even though he hasn't been super public about it, this has been a long gestating passion project for him. I think this is just one of those things that he absolutely like cannot end his career. What, what, and, and which I say like, let the man do what he wants. If it, you know, whether even if he does it and he does it 
pretty well. Okay, like we still got a Spielberg West Side Story. I honestly think, to me, it feels like these are the last two that he's got to get out of the way before he calls it a day. I agree with everything Jake just said. I, really? I, think, I thought I thought you guys would fight me on that. Well, no, 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 no. I, I understand what you're saying about Indy. I think I think you're right. I think doing five is literally to to get un, like, the last one right. I think that that, that makes perfect sense to me because I don't necessarily want another Indiana Jones because I I mean the first three are are, are, are perfect in my opinion and and the fourth one doesn't really I, I didn't hate it like everybody else did but it doesn't really exist in the in that in that. Uh, in the grand scheme of those movies to me. Um, but I understand the idea of maybe him kind of wanting to fix what he did in four. Um, West Side Story, I don't necessarily think needs to be remade. But based on what Jake just said about uh, uh, Spielberg having a passion to get this movie made, it sounds like he has an idea in mind that to take it to a different level. Um, that's what that's what it sounds like to me. If he's that passionate about remaking that specific movie, which is a very strange film to be thinking about from that type of a filmmaker, um, though I will say Spielberg has amazing range. You don't think of musical when you think of him. Clearly, I mean he's had musical numbers in his movies before. Um, I think I saw someone on Twitter the other day saying that you should watch the opening of or one scene in nineteen forty one. You'll see a, a musical number he did there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I've actually never seen nineteen forty one, but um, I think that. Uh, I think that there. I think there must be some reason that he must have some brilliant idea to take that musical type of film to a to a, a level that hasn't been done yet. That's what it sounds like to me. So, but you I really think, think I, he's going to retire after the last two Spielberg? To me, seems like someone I, who's going to die I, on a film set. I, I, but there's there's that Tarantino argument though. It's like you know, at, at some point you got to. Uh, and Tarantino says that like you know he like Hitchcock wasn't making the best films at the end of his career. Um, so I think that there's an element there of when do you stop, uh, when, 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 whatever, I don't, I don't know, I'm not saying that as you get older, your creativity goes away, it doesn't, I mean, people, I mean, Eastwood's still making films, um, and I thought really Scott, really Scott, Sully and American Sniper were very solid films in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, so I think the, I'm, I'm hoping he continues making movies throughout a certain age, maybe, maybe he's, Maybe he's create- creatively not tapped out at this point. You know what I mean? Right. I, I don't know. So to, maybe it's just a To a me, the, 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 the indie argument and the retirement argument sort of go hand in hand. If he's the kind of filmmaker that would make another film in order to end on a good note, then he's also the sort of filmmaker that would stop early in order to end on a good note. Um, sort of like it yeah. kind of come kind of good to me. My theory is sort of come in a package deal. Like if, if, if he's doing one, to me, he's doing the other. It would break my heart. I never even once thought that he was going to retire. I just thought these were his next two movies. I, I'm sorry, I, 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 I didn't mean to like to derail to? the. I didn't mean to, to derail the Spielberg conversation. I, no, that's, that's just, honestly. That's, but that's, that's going to happen. We're going to get to a point where these filmmakers who we love are going to stop making movies. Yeah. Scorsese's going to stop one yeah. day, and Spielberg's going to have to stop one day. What, what's that? Um, what's that? What's that quote that I think Kevin published, or Kevin? You, I think you posted on Facebook. It's like one day you went out and played with your friends. For the last time, and you didn't know it. Oh yeah! Like I think, like God. one day we're gonna go see a Spielberg movie for the last time, and we're not gonna know it. Right. That All quote. Right. That quote devastated me so yeah. much. Someone, someone posted something. It went viral. It was like, like what was it again? Yeah, it was like you said, it was like uh, one day you went out and played with your friends for the last time, and you had, and you didn't know it was the last time you were all gonna be together. Right. Right. It's like the most. Devastating and, and then we all joined the junkets and realized that we're still twelve year old kids playing with our friends. <laughs> what if he does um, a West Side Story with Lin Manuel Miranda? Which ooh. I think he's going to collaborate with. That's I've ooh. heard he's going to collaborate with him on it. There, who is on my wall as well? 
<laughs> yeah, uh, we're having like a we're having a Jake Wall look, day here Stan on, Lee, on, on the podcast. Spielberg, Lin Manuel Miranda. And I, 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 I just yeah. I just mentioned Tarantino like a minute ago about about uh, tiring. There he's right there behind you. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, I'm gonna wrap it up on that depressing note that uh, we don't play with our friends anymore. Uh, uh-huh. Except in podcast form. <laughs> in podcast form, that's how we do this on a weekly no, basis. No, I, I still think that we live our lives as kids, uh, and what I mean by that is like. You know, I, I think that we all inherently like this is this is friends getting together to talk, man. This is like how kids. This is our version of playtime. You know Dude, I, mean? I have a Spider-Man I... poster framed on my wall behind me, and I'm yeah, a 30 yeah. year old man. Also, yeah. <laughs> um, the last time I was on a junket with Kevin, I swung by his hotel room to hang out, and he had more candy in his hotel room <laughs> than, oh, yeah. than any person. That, that, our that age. sounds so creepy. Like he has a sign outside his door that says, "Like, like free candy, come inside." That's how he lured me in. He said, hey, "I do." <laughs> would you like some candy? <laughs> this is true. But the thing, uh, the, the surprise ending is that he's super genuine. Like he really just wants to give yeah. you candy. He just wanted to give me candy. Yeah, <laughs> was, I thought I was being lured in yeah. for something devious. Yeah. It was but. Sean and my buddy, our buddy Chris Van from Miami and we were three grown men just hanging out in a hotel room on a Friday night talking about movies and we ordered room service together just as Jake and I used to do yeah. all the time geek out Jake dinners. and I used to have geek out dinners and like everybody you know everybody else is like you know we're in this city I'm gonna go out and do something Jake and I would just stay in our hotel room and pretend we were the other actor and go over our questions yeah. together Yeah, I mean, we did that for Oprah we did it for Spielberg we did it for like uh, so many. It was yeah. it was so crazy. Yeah, that's, that's what, but I think that's our little way of kind of keeping that that youthful like playtime together thing. In my opinion, that's just the way I look at it. But that's me. I hope one day we do an episode of this from a junket that the three of us are at. We're gonna that aim be to awesome. do that. That would be awesome. that'd be fun. So, uh, I, Jake can be found online at at Jake's Takes. Kevin can be found on social media at Kevin McCarthy TV. I am at Sean underscore O'Connell. Um, we are on iTunes, and we want to really thank everybody for coming out and downloading last week's episode. We had um, a great response from it, and we hope that uh, we're building a subscriber base because we're having a lot of fun doing this, and we still have a few more major categories to get through. On that note, um, we are going to do a show next Thursday, February 8th, and I'm going to jump us ahead over the actor and actresses because I want us to break down the best director category that's when that's that's a good one works yeah and we're gonna have a lot of fun Kevin I'm sorry that we kept you up this long (laughs) this long no 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 no, not at all no 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 no. (laughs) and Kevin's out that that was a yawn because I was I had to get up at 3 a.m. for my live shots today, so my apologies. That well, was the only yawn, I, only yawn I had in an hour and 24 minutes we've been doing this podcast. So The stipulation for next week's episode where we break down best directors is that Kevin cannot defend Nolan. He has to pick someone else. I'm going to handcuff ooh, him. Ooh, we should make Kevin <laughs> so I, tell us why Nolan shouldn't win. Oh, well, that, well, there's there's yes. no there's there's nothing I'll come out of my mouth about about that. Like there's no I have no reason to say that because there's nothing that there's no reason why you shouldn't. Win or um, but okay, but if we do a thing where we say why all directors should or shouldn't like should and shouldn't win, you have to right. say something negative about Nolan. But you can't say anything. You can't say anything about that about about that about that movie or or, or just him as a director in general. No, I guess, I guess it would be that movie. Yeah. All right, we'll do that next week. Tune back in next week. Uh, on iTunes, give us a subscription and a rating, and we love all you guys for tuning in and listening to us and watching us on YouTube, and we will see you next week. Thank you very much, guys. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.